This podcast is produced by Unedited. Hello, people, and welcome to this week's episode of The Dreamer's Disease. My name's Alex Manzi, and on each episode, we'll hear the story of someone inspirational who's really out in the world and following their passions and doing something that they really love and enjoy. And, you know, we'll hear their story a bit. So on this week's episode, I'm joined by Andy Leake, who you may not know by name, you may not even know his face, but you may know his Instagram account, Notes to Strangers, or you may even have seen his bits of art around the city that you live in. So Andy's a really interesting guy. He's someone who worked in advertising for a long time, and an industry that he wanted to get into, started to suffer from mental health issues and had to take time off work eventually went back to work and then he started up this project called Notes for Strangers where he leave little inspiring notes on phone boxes, on electrical boxes and it's really taken off on Instagram. He kind of tells us the story of how that happened, how that um, has developed over the years and he's also got this amazing story about eBay, a blank canvas, flying to Vegas, llamas and painting a picture of a dog and I'll leave it there. You'll have to listen to the episode to hear what on earth that is all about it's a hilariously but very very entertaining story and very interesting so before we jump into the episode as ever i want to thank you for listening for hitting play for all of you who have subscribed so far if you haven't yet make sure you head to itunes search dreamers disease hit that subscribe button you can also head over to instagram at the underscore dreamers disease for daily bits of inspiration and motivation And, you know, for me, if you can leave any reviews, then that for me is incredible because it allows me to know what you guys at home think of the episodes. So without any more waiting around, let's jump straight in and hear Andy's amazing story. Hey guys, so I am joined this week by Andy Leake, who you may not know by name, but you may know him by his Instagram page, Notes to Strangers. Welcome. Thank you. How's it going? Yeah, good. Yeah? Yeah. Fairly chilled day so far? Yeah, not too bad. Um, yeah. Just stuck up some notes, wrote them earlier today. Been to the gym, yeah. and some emails. Not nice. nothing, nothing too strenuous. Yeah. So you, do you still hand write all the notes? Yeah, yeah. So every, everything's... Every, every, everything's handwritten. I don't really, I don't print anything. Um, yeah, the 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 work itself is is all handwritten. It takes me like ten seconds to actually write them. So yeah, it's not not too bad. Yeah, I guess when if you totaled up all of the time you've spent writing notes, though, how many notes do you reckon you've written? Well, including the, I mean, including the ones I've sold, thousand maybe, maybe more, yeah. thousand five hundred something. I don't know, no idea. Wow. It's a lot of time spending writing notes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, when you add up like ten seconds or twenty seconds each time, I suppose. Yeah. yeah, you can say that, but think about any of anything else you do. If you do a job, then yeah, it's, it doesn't really compare yeah. to, to the, the time it takes yeah, to do uh, just writing emails and stuff. Yeah. And then, okay, so we've kind of given the game away a little bit, but um, for anyone who doesn't know who you are, can you give us a very brief um, who you are and what you do? Yeah, so I'm now an artist that um, is behind the Notes to Strangers Instagram, which is all about spreading positivity and putting out words of encouragement or words of advice or words of... Um, something to to try and make make a difference to people's day so it's not always it's not always just positivity and not always like advice or uh wisdom not that i'd ever call that myself Mm. it's just um i'm trying to catch people at a moment when at a moment when they need to hear something and if you're wrapped up in your own little world and you're walking along you see something that um is a little bit unexpected Mm. it might make a difference to someone's day and that's ultimately where the, the project started it was all about trying to make a difference trying to make a positive difference to like one person's day every day and that's still there it's, that's still the that's mm. still why I do it and then um, the, the reason I do it is um, is rewarded by the messages that I get so yeah. I'm constantly having people telling me that uh, the the note caught them at the right time and mm. it has made a difference so whilst that's still happening then I'm going to keep doing the project yeah which is amazing because I like the way that how the Instagram page isn't you posting up pictures of the notes. You wait for someone to discover yeah, it, yeah, yeah. tag well, you in it, <laughs> and then you, you take a screenshot and then put it as... Yeah, so I you, mean... Your page that, is basically a load of screenshots of other people taking pictures of yeah, your it, it kind of it kind of happened organically, that. Because when it started, when the project started, I was just doing notes and putting them in the metro and leaving them for people to find on the streets. And they didn't have that Instagram notes to strangers on them. 
but it's when I changed from putting them in the newspapers to putting them on the uh, electrical boxes and phone boxes around London that I just put Instagram notes to strangers because I had this back catalogue of stuff that if people were interested by what by these posters they could check it out yeah and I didn't take pictures the night the first night I did it because it was dark I went out at like four in the morning so I, I was intending to go back and take the pictures the next day but before I could do that someone had taken a picture and uploaded it on Instagram, onto oh, Instagram wow. and tagged me in it yeah so then I was like well that's way better than me taking the pictures yeah because I'm leaving for strangers to, to get involved. Yeah. So that's when I reposted the first one and said it was a collaboration because I've worked in the creative industry for a long time and photographer is a big part of any project. So I see uh, not only are they doing the photography, but also when you share something on your Instagram page, it's like really personal and it's like, it's quite a big deal to, for someone to share something on their own Instagram, which is getting so important these days. So I, I, I've tagged it as a collaboration and I really believe it. And I think that um that little little moment has had a huge impact because now people turn it into a game and you you can look at some of the people that have shared it and they've got like seven or eight or i share my stories where i've been yeah and sometimes people go the next day and hunt, oh, really? out, hunt out where they've been yeah well, that's great um but also it's it's like it turns everyone everyone into a part of the project so the everyone who's ever uploaded a note which i've shared even if i haven't shared it they are actually part of that project and it's kind of giving away a little bit of ownership yeah. to it and you feel involved because you are involved. If I didn't, if I didn't, um, if I was taking the pictures myself, uh, it would be different. And as soon as people stop taking the pictures, the project doesn't really work anymore. So yeah. it is, it's, it's like a huge collaboration yeah. between me and thousands and thousands of people. Yeah. It's great. And I guess it becomes like a thing of people see, once they discover the page or they see your notes, mm. they then discover the page they then see, oh, actually, you're reposting pictures of other people's pictures. They then want to go and find other notes to then take photos of to yeah, hopefully yeah. have yeah, yeah. Your, it's, you. It's game. It's like a little game. Yeah. I think that I realised recently that when I, when I changed it from the metro, putting them in the metro to uh, the posters, because the metro I did for eight months, and I never really got any feedback. But I was just doing it because it felt good. It felt good mm. to like to know that someone might have found that. And it made a difference to her day, and that was enough for me. But I was in Dusseldorf, so it's back when I worked in advertising. Um, uh, I was working freelance to pay my bills and making art half the time. And in Germany, not only uh, do they use electrical boxes and phone boxes ad space, uh, which we don't really do here, um, but it was when Pokemon Go was going crazy as well. So I think subconsciously I was influenced by the way the Germans use the the electrical boxes, and also. Pokemon Go, I think, a little bit. Yeah. I, I, I only recently realised it, that I put those two together. But I'm walking through Dusseldorf and just seeing everybody on their phones, like, at these spots with the Pokemon Go. And it must have it must have been an influence. It must yeah. have been. Like, yeah. as, soon as, they, as soon as that organic, the way that the, the collaborations work, it I must have been influenced by yeah. Did you then... <laughs> it just made me think, you should have started being really clever and putting the posters and the notes up around the hotspots for Pokemon Go. And actually already <laughs> well, I think, I think like Pokemon a... Go was dying at this point already. <laughs> oh, okay. Like it was, a, it burned really hot and bright. But yeah. it, it fell off pretty quickly. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's a good idea though. That is a good idea. I could have done some Pokemon yeah. Go ones as well. Yeah, like. that'd been wicked. Um, so you've mentioned a couple of times your background yeah, of yeah. working in the creative industries and advertising. Can you just like explain a little bit about what type of work you did? And Yeah, so I... Um, I left uni and uh, walked into a creative department on an internship just randomly through someone who knew someone who knew someone. And I couldn't believe that there was people who were just paid to sit and think and come up with ideas. Mm. It was like they were they were doing what I'd got in trouble for at, uh, for at school. Like I was always daydreaming, always writing stuff and coming up with ideas. But I wasn't paying attention so much. And these people were getting paid to do it. So I was like, I could not believe that that was a job. And I was just knocked out to be able to do that. And then not only do you just pay it, sit and think of ideas, but then you get budget and you get uh, you get to work with incredible people to make the ideas real. So uh, I, I was an advertising creative that did a lot of TV, a lot of um, posters, billboards, that sort of stuff. And I did it for eight years. And it was for, I'd say for seven years, it was great. But then... Towards the end, it's the the job started to change because when you first got into it, all I was doing was the creative side of things. Didn't have to worry about managing anybody. Didn't have to worry about the politics. Didn't really have to worry about budgets and 
um, and, the, and the, the power sort of side of things. And then as I got more senior, all that stuff started to, to get involved way, way more. And um, I was just, I, I was only ever interested in making the best possible creative work. And that's a really bad attitude to have in advertising. Mm. <laughs> and did that put you in a bad headspace? Yeah, yeah, because I was, I was, it was like I was fighting a battle that no one else was. Mm. So I was coming up with ideas and trying to make them as interesting and creative and, and pure as possible. And everyone else was playing the game, which advertising game is, which is a business. And mm. it's not about trying to make the best possible, most creative film. It's about trying to make the best possible creative film, but also get as much money out of a client as possible yeah. um, and keep a client happy. And yeah, really experimental creativity and pushing the pushing the boundaries and trying to uh, create something original doesn't doesn't like it's not on most people's agendas yeah so i think that it uh, it it beat me down really and lots of there's lots of people in advertising with um amazing talent for drawing for shooting for writing and they just get they get beaten down and luckily luckily i got uh i mean it was a it was a pretty pretty traumatic experience at the time but I pushed myself far too far. Uh, I learned things the hard way, and I learned about mental health the hard way by mm. put by partying too much, uh, by working this as much as that, um, and I had a had a mental health problem, and I had a month off work, and then yeah. when I came back from that, the um, the management who where I was working were just not were not interested, and they uh, they just completely uh, shunned me. Uh, and I worked, I carried on working really hard. I did a, did a really good piece of work, but after six months I got fired and that firing was really like really brutal at the time and really difficult to handle at the time. But that was what set me free. It set mm. me free to reevaluate things. Cause I was like, well, I don't love this industry anymore. It, it's, it, it's not rewarding me. I'm, it's, it's beating me down. I'm, I'm not like happy. And I realized that even though that was where my experience was. I had to do something different, and that's when I just, mm. just I changed my mind about it. And I said, I love the creative side of things. I love making making an idea happen, and I love working with photographers. I love working in film. I love working uh, uh, illustrators, all that stuff. And I loved um, I love the sales side of things as well, like going into a room and sharing a vision and getting people on board, all that sort of stuff. Loved all that, all that. Uh, but I knew that the industry wasn't for me anymore, so I just looked at it and think, thought, well, what's what's something that I can do all of those things in? Uh, and I said, well, if I call myself an artist, then everything I make yeah. falls under that umbrella. So that's what I did, and then I just started making art. So I launched into, after being fired, I launched into 10 art projects within a year. Yeah. Um, I worked half the time freelance, so uh, uh, my heart wasn't in it, but I was mm. just I was going in, showing up, doing doing what needed to be done, uh, to, to pay my to pay my my bills and to to be able to live. But I, I cut back on how much work I did um, and focused on on the art. And out of the ten projects, I'd say half of them kind of got traction and uh, made it into sort of news and interesting things started happening as, yeah. as a result. And notes was one of them. And notes has exploded now yeah. to the point where. I've tried a few times to launch into new projects, but notes just keep sucking me in. Oh, really? Yeah, so yeah, like yeah. It's, it's almost just, all, all, uh, it's all consuming, consuming yeah. yeah. And I'm okay with that for for the time being. I'm okay with it being uh, all about notes for 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 a while because I feel like it's still 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 sort of heading upwards. But as soon as as soon as I feel that the appetite out there isn't that it, there's not a need for it, or if people start getting bored of it, then uh, I'll I will. I'll move on to something else if yeah. if that happens. I mean, the, the the theory is that I'll keep it going. I think I'll keep it going forever, well, for for as long as I live, really. Um, but I will be at one point, at a certain point, launching yeah. into new stuff as well. Yeah, yeah, branching out, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think that's important for like someone who's clearly got a creative brain is like to exercise that creativity in more than one way. It's so important because. Otherwise, you do end up feeling a little bit in that spiral, which I guess you felt you were maybe in while mm -hmm. working in advertising. And I used to work in advertising as well. Uh, I didn't last as long as eight years. I lasted a year and a half, but um, I was that in. Could feel like eight years. In yeah, I mean, it did. It did. Uh, <laughs> but I was like TV production side. So, oh right, yeah, yeah. Um, I was assistant producer, so we we were the like almost the middlemen. So we had to deal with not just the creatives, 
kind of and trying to get the best for the creative but also trying to get the what the client wanted and mm -hmm. you know what the agency won and you're kind of getting you're the middleman basically who's yeah, trying yeah. to like tee everyone else up and um, which is quite a, it was quite a difficult task but it was you know learned a lot of doing it and you definitely get that sense of even as a creative and people who were working at the agency a lot of them would still do stuff outside of work as well like some you know would be web designers on the side or they'd you know just be artists on the side or they'd run events or something so there's like they had to have that channel of creativity yeah yeah outside of that nine to five it's, it's too much of too much of your work in advertising goes in the bin is the problem yeah and it just crushes your spirit if you let it um i think that whilst i'm i'm pretty hard on the industry and i think there's a lot wrong with it it is my training though and the reason that i've enjoyed uh the success that i have in terms of being able to pay my bills through art a huge part of that is through my advertising training yeah. because as soon as I launched into, right, I'm going to just be an artist, see what happens. I'll just throw energy and time and passion at it and see and see if it works out. Pretty quickly I realized that advertising is the perfect, it's the perfect training for it because yeah. art is essentially branding. Like the reason you pay, you're, you're paying, uh, the money you pay for a famous artist's painting, which can go up to a million pounds, mm something that could be a squiggle on a canvas it's not because of the skill of the the work it's because of the brand that, uh, that's behind it yeah and as i go further into the art world i start to see that and you start to see that like the whole classic builders walking into a gallery going well i could have done that and it's like well yeah technically you could have done the bricks together or the squiggle on the canvas but it's everything that's behind yeah. that and um i think that if i'd have known how difficult it was going to be and how how much of a challenge it would have been Perhaps I wouldn't have launched into it so, so headlong. Yeah. But the naivety of not knowing that is powerful. And yeah. when you don't, when you don't know what's involved, you just launch into it and you you, just, you, you do more than you can even realize, yeah. uh, because it's really easy to get overfaced by it. And if you think about the, the competition that's out there, look, trying to build a brand within people's heads in the art world is very very difficult because there's a gazillion other artists all trying yeah. it. And and it's it does make me sad in a way because. I feel like there's people with a lot more talent than me and a lot more craft skills, absolutely, like people that can paint incredible paintings and they've got their own sort of style. But it's the branding that separates it yeah. and it's the it's the understanding of the way the world works and the way that social media works that has given me given me the advantage. Yeah. Um, I guess that also maybe my intentions have helped as well. My intentions are uh, to, to, to try and make a positive difference. Like... People see smell bullshit really, really fast because mm. we're all used to seeing advertising. We're all used to um, hearing hearing uh, scams and yeah. it's we we as a society we're really, really smart at deciphering communications and seeing the uh, the motivations behind something. And I think that because notes are never expected in a million years to even make a pound off it, mm. and now it's my income. Um, but I don't think that would have worked without the intentions being just to try and help and just to try and make yeah. a difference. So it's like when you hey, when you have that pure intentions as in it's it's the passion first and then everything else sort of falls yeah. into place somehow. Yeah, it's it's true because it's what I find is that it you kind of get a laser focus on whatever the project is or where you want to try and go or what you want to work on. And the more energy you put into that, the more energy, positive energy comes towards yeah. it. And then everything, like you said, just, just falls into place slowly, slowly. Sometimes, you know, some people will happen quite quickly, other people over a longer period of time. But the more you can kind of throw yourself into something that you're really passionate about, that energy seeps out of you as well because you really are passionate about it. And like you said, your project is amazing because it's not only something that you're clearly passionate about, but it's also having such a, a massive positive effect on people, like in a small way for each person. But... For everyone who yeah, sees well, that, you well, know, I mean, it must be quite a big reach, if you know what I mean. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't tend to think about it as much as that because I'm human, so I think yeah. about myself. Yeah, yeah. And the project is having a huge impact on me, so I'm going to keep doing it whilst it's keeps mm. to, it keeps changing my life. Um, the the intention is to try and help people, but I don't really think... I, I, I'm, I'm much more self-centered than that. Yeah. <laughs> Fair <laughs> like enough. Like everyone is, but yeah. everyone is. Everyone's, no, of course. Everyone's just like... Everyone's working for themselves in a in a certain sense.
Yeah. And so talk me through the initial process then when you came up with the idea. Did you just think, oh, right, I've got this wicked idea. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to write out 20 notes on some card and oh, just they, leave them in yeah. the newspapers. I don't think that's a, that's a, it's good that you've asked me this because I think that I've always talked about the I've always talked about the the practical the practicality of it nuts and bolts but the actual inspiration for the idea um, and that the the moment that I thought about it because it's like to, you know Taylor Swift's best songs come after heartbreak yeah well I'd say my creative heart was broken at the time by what had happened to me um, through the being pushed to the point of having a mental health problem like this industry that I loved had had broken me mm. um, and I think I, I did a I did a series of paintings that were rubbish it was the first thing I came that came back because I remember I was, I was taking some time out and uh, my dad's saying to me he's like oh your your next project's going to be good because uh, you've you've got this new experience now to, to, to go forward with first one was rubbish um, series of watercolors were awful um, and then the next one was I think I was watching I was watching like a series of talks I think I can't remember who was talking. It might have been an artist, um, and and someone said something that um, that clicked, and it was a because I've made so many different projects that are so difficult and have required so much hours that I had it in my mind that it would be great to have something that would be really easy to do. Yeah, because I didn't have the time to to, to and the, the energy to, because I was still working to create animations to create films, and yeah, I had the idea and I wrote three or four notes straight away um and i can remember being i can remember the feeling the rush of it and thinking oh yeah this is cool because i don't actually have to it doesn't take much and then the, the next morning after having the idea put them in the newspaper and i remember the mad thing is that uh now i can go out in middle of the night and put up 10 notes or 20 notes in a night uh and not feel a not feel like a barely a flutter mm. but back then I picked up the newspaper and I put it in and I was like properly sort of felt like I was doing something rebellious <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and uh, left it on the tube and then I think I shared it on Instagram but I had like 200 followers by then yeah. I shared it on Facebook and there was a few people that I liked the opinion of on different things and they responded really positively yeah. to it That's cool. and that initial that initial response like some people who I really respected the opinion of that initial response kept me going in the early days. And then um, it filtered around the agency where I was working. And I remember my boss saying to me, uh, I think we were, at the, 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 we, were at, we were out for drinks and someone, we were just chatting. And we, we were, I'd just come back from the mental health problem. So I was, we were trying to rebuild this relationship. Yeah. And uh, someone saying, have you seen his new art project? And I was like, oh. And he's like, what, what is it? And I showed him on Instagram. So it's like, you put notes in newspapers, like notes to strangers. It's all about trying to make a positive difference. And he said to me, don't focus on that. Focus on advertising. Really? Advertising wow. advertising is the thing that will uh, will change your life. Not that sort of stuff. Yeah. And then someone else, someone else senior at the um, at the agency, I showed it to them. And they were like, why would you do that? Were like, they creative? So yeah, they, yeah. they were. Oh, wow. Okay. So, but, but those responses kind of spurred me on. Yeah. I was like, course. whoa. I think, I've some, I think I've got something interesting here. Yeah. I'll just keep doing it. Um, but it was it, it was mu as much as therapy as anything else yeah. at the time for me, forcing myself to think positively yeah. for the time it took to come up with the, the notes. Yeah. Have you ever sat back? I guess it may be different now because I think you put a lot of the posters up in the night, but in, in, in the initial stages, did you ever put a note in a newspaper and then leave it and then just sit and watch and wait for something yeah, to happened, discover it? Yeah, it happened before. Uh, I tried not to because I felt like it was a bit creepy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But it did happen because sometimes I was... Like, I always tried to leave them just before I changed. Yeah. But sometimes I was going somewhere where I wouldn't change. And um, to get them on the on the seats, yeah, needed the tube needed to be empty enough. So there was yeah. a couple of times. And yeah, there was once there was once I'd done it and then I, I thought it was an empty carriage and then the lady jumped on the last minute. Yeah. So just me and her in these three newspapers. And I saw her pick up the newspaper and start reading and I saw her read, see the note. She looked around and I, and I caught her eye and we kind of had this moment of where she, I think she knew that it was me. Oh, really? Yeah, and there was like a sort of a wry smile, but we didn't talk about it, of course not. We're, uh, no. <laughs> Londoners who don't do that. Yeah, of course. Um, they make a connection on no. the <laughs> but, but it was, yeah, for ages and ages, I never really saw any kind of response, never got anything on, mm. online because I didn't have that loop. I didn't have a yeah. place for them to find. I just used to, used to, it was just a message without notes to strangers on it. And then as soon as the, uh, the posters started going up, that's when I started to get the responses. And, yeah. And now... 
yeah people I've, I've seen people taking a picture and i just walk up and go yeah that's mine mm. and then they know me if they follow me and yeah, yeah well, you're pretty hard to find online though other than your account i was doing my research earlier and there was a couple of interviews here and there but there wasn't many photos or so you can still remain i guess pretty anonymous which yeah is quite nice. yeah i mean it's... Is, is that what you want to do well what's the point of like i'd be lying if i didn't want some of the trappings of fame yeah like especially with women that's the that's the dream but um i'm not so i'm not so keen on on being recognized mm. um no i i'm not i don't I, I don't know it's a weird one it's it's something that's starting to change so it's starting to change now that um people don't people don't know my face but they know the project yeah especially in london yeah and then as soon as i'll if i meet someone new be it a friend of a friend or just random people and they find out that um they find out that i'm behind the project it does start to change things mm. and it's a bit of a head trip really it's, it's a difficult thing to try and get your yeah. head around well they are i mean i wouldn't say everywhere but they are in quite a lot of places in london because there's one near where i work and that's how i discovered the the, the page was walking past this uh, electrical box every day and i just noticed there was this handwritten note on like pink bright pink mm -hmm. paper so I, took, I saw it, I was like, okay, cool, Notes to Strangers. And I'd say in my head, like, okay, follow Notes to Strangers, follow Notes to Strangers, because I don't really like using my phone when I'm on the street. So I'd wait till I got into the building, and then pretty much every day I would forget. And I remember one day it wasn't there, it had gone. It had obviously been taken down. And then a couple of days or a week later, another one had reappeared with a different note. And I was like, okay, so I kept an eye on it. And then that one disappeared, then another one reappeared in the same spot. And I was like, okay, I, I really need to follow this, <laughs> this account, because it's like... I really need to check it out and see the you know the rest of them or if this is this a one-off thing um, and they are quite prominent which is nice but also the fact that you I don't know if you were deliberately replenishing that one because oh no I like to go in the same place yeah, yeah. okay cool that's, a, that's what I thought and so but yeah I guess like you said you've, you've already written like you said a thousand maybe fifteen hundred like where do you get the inspiration for the captions uh, I'd say that the inspiration comes from uh, life mm. in general. Um, I mean, it can be anything really. It could be a conversation. I could be overhear something that's interesting. Or I could watch a film that there's an interesting idea in it. Yeah. Um, it could. It, it comes from honestly anywhere. Like maybe a song lyric, maybe the news, maybe uh, a way that I f I'm feeling or if I feel there's a I've I've come to realise that if I'm thinking in a certain way and I'm thinking about something, yeah, chances are there's other people that are too. Yeah, because we're all watching this similar kind of stuff. We're all kind of we're all getting influenced by the sim by similar kind of things. So it, I just try and write my thoughts as honestly and mm. um, as unfiltered as possible, and then uh, that's that's one of them. And uh, another way I might look if I if I find someone online that I really like like the way they think I might read their book or I might read their Twitter yeah. um, and if there's, some, if there's a really interesting idea and in something they've written before in a quote I might repurpose it so mm. I might take the idea and rewrite it by adding to it so I'll never purpose I'll never knowingly lift someone else's quote I mean I think it's happened because yeah <laughs> there's a gazillion quotes yeah, out there of but I'll always I'll always change it to to my interpretation of the idea so i'll strip back strip back away from the words yeah. think about what they're saying and then repurpose it into a way that um, works for me yeah um because i think that's a big part of the strength of nature strangers is the accessibility of it yeah and i guess they've got a they've got a tone to them you know because like you said you are repurposing them and almost rewriting certain quotes or or, or things in your own way so they've all got a similar, I've, I reckon I've seen four or five around where I've made my way around London, which isn't, uh, I guess, a lot compared to how many is probably out there, but they've all got a similar tone and obviously seeing the ones that get posted up on your account, they've all got, you know, it's, it's your voice essentially, isn't it? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I don't really purposefully, I think it's just something that happens when you write, when yeah. you write for, you write again and again and again. And so I mean, you you say that there's I've written a thousand notes in terms of the notes to strangers. I think there's a massive similarity in what I do and the messages that advertising 
the same behind advertising. So the agenda of advertising is always sales. So we're always trying to sell you something or, mm. I mean, it can be information and stuff, but essentially there's a, there's a, um, there's an agenda, there's a business agenda behind it. Whereas when I'm coming at it with an agenda of just trying to make a difference mm. someone's day, um, it's, it's, there's a, there's a, there's an overlap and you think about that I worked for eight, eight years in advertising. So every day I went in for eight or nine hours a day, writing lines, writing yeah. lines for different brands. And you, you never write in your own tone of voice fully. You're meant to get into the brand's tone of voice. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's just a case of I've developed a tone of voice yeah. through, for my own brand. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thousand thousand notes, but I'd say over eight years, five, 10,000 lines yeah. for, for, for products, for brands. So yeah. that whole 10,000 hours thing, I think I'm probably there with writing yeah. because just because of the job I was doing except instead of making big companies richer <laughs> it's now trying to make a difference yeah. to people making people smile well hopefully yeah, yeah. so right, so tell me like so you've you've stuck up all these posters you've you've done them all, all around the world you must have been caught at least once caught have three you, times yeah uh, can you is there one story in particular that's a bit a bit like I'm, I'm, I'm pitching like a James Bond like no, chase down no, the street no nothing jumping like off buildings <laughs> no, <laughs> sliding I, over cars because <laughs> I just go on to um, I just talk about the project so the I mean it, we, it would be great if I, if I could say yeah. that happened you've got to let it happen once you've got the story <laughs> yeah I've got to try and run away yeah but one of my um, one of my relatives is a policeman and he's like he tells me half the time people run away they don't need to like they're yeah. not actually going to get in trouble um but I just, yeah, the first time was in Paris and it was about four in the morning on the Champs-Elysees and I'd put up a hundred posters in one night and I was exhausted. Uh, and they then a police van with like eight guys, mm. policemen, got out and surrounded me. Wow. Uh, Do you reckon they thought they caught Banksy? Is your... <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah. <laughs> um, and then they spoke to me in French and I, I didn't speak any yeah. French and then they asked me what I was doing and I explained the project and I think that the reason that I've been let off is because when I, I'm explaining the project and then the poster I've just stuck up relates to that explanation. Yeah, it's going to take a pretty cold-hearted policeman to be like, right, we're going to arrest you. Yeah, uh, and it's a lot of a lot of paperwork as well for them. So I think that yeah. a lot of the time they just can't be bothered. Yeah, it's uh, true. but yeah, it was, it was pretty pretty intense the first time. Second time was in London, um, about the week about a week later, and the, the police car pulled up whilst I was sticking something up. Didn't even get out. I just sort of said, "What are you doing?" Mm. I said. Um, I'm doing street art and he said looks like graffiti to me and I said well that's subjective yeah. um, and then I had a poster up that said the meaning of life is subjective yeah. and I said just like the meaning of life is subjective <laughs> and then he said what's this about and I said oh I was trying to make a difference to people's day trying to write something yeah. interesting or positive and he was like oh, alright then um, look just take these two down get on your Boris bike go, and go and, and that's yeah. it and they just drove off yeah. I walked up and I think oh you caught me if you want to arrest me you can yeah. so yeah, that, I think that I think it's just the nature of the project that's, that's, that's kept me out of jail. Yeah. Do you ever get the fear though that that might happen one day? You know, hopefully it doesn't. Obviously, It'd be a good story if it did. Yeah. I think it would. Um, Imagine the headlines in the paper. Well, yeah. I mean, Positive street artist arrested for. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if 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 I did get arrested, then yeah, it's just just part of the part of the course, yeah. isn't it? It's like it's a risk I'm running. Um, I think that people like Banksy and um, the street artists that like to be anonymous, I think, yeah, there is that element a little bit, but it's more for, I think for someone like, for someone like Banksy, it's more like he prefers the anonymous, yeah, uh, the anonymity. It's the brand, and, isn't it? Well, more. and it helps with the brand a little bit, but I f- I'd say that um, it's probably more that he doesn't want to be recognised and doesn't want any of the fame. Mm. Um, which I can understand as it's starting to build a little bit like it does change things and it's it's, yeah. uh, it's not an easy thing to handle yeah well I was, I was doing some research as well because I was like okay right this guy's got this amazing project that he does he's got to be, he's got to have done some really interesting work in his life and I was digging around uh, online and I come across your website and I was reading through some of the projects you've worked on and there's one that really struck me um, and I'm going to massively generalise this story into like yeah, two yeah. sentences. But you essentially sold a blank canvas oh, yeah, on eBay, yeah. ended up flying to Vegas to paint a portrait of a dog. Yeah, that's essentially what happened. Yeah, but yeah. it's it a also, lot. It's a lot more of an amazing story than that. So can, can you just elaborate a, there was on it? There's also a billionaire well? 
involved in that story. Yeah, oh yeah. Who um uh who was obsessed with llamas and he wanted to turn downtown Las Vegas into a sh- llama shaped city. Okay. And it, it, he had like a cult that was running <laughs> where everyone was kind of a super happy cult. Yeah. And um I was being they were trying to indoctrinate me, they were trying to get me to move to Vegas uh, to join this llama cult. This llama cult, yeah. Okay, this is this is starting to sound like something out of "Dude, Where's My Car?" Or it was that. a bit like that, yeah. <laughs> like, so, but, so, but you do you, you just throw these you throw these things out into the world, mm. and just mad stuff happens yeah. as a result, and it's the best. Yeah. And what was the basis of that whole project? Because it was just a really simple thing, wasn't yeah, it? After yeah, yeah. Put it so up on eBay. It was um, it was another traumatic event in my life. So that was losing my mom. Yeah. So my mom was sick for two years, and then she died. And I'd say I had two years of acute grief. Uh, grief. Yeah. And I'd come through that and I'd try and take the positives from everything. And the only f- positive I could possibly find was that when people sit, when someone's sick that you love or when uh, things aren't going well in the most severe way, you can't enjoy yourself and you can't mm. like, nothing's, nothing's fully fun. Like you've always got it in the back of your mind. Yeah. So I wanted to share that learning with the world. And I thought the best way of doing that was to have like an adventure. So I put the canvas on eBay and said, whoever wins it, I'll come and paint your portrait um, wherever you are in the world because, and all the money will go to my mom's favorite charity, which was a local hospice, to try and make that point as in take risks, do do things that are out of the ordinary um, because you have to, because life's short and you mm. never know when things can change and, and when, when the bad times are going to come because they do come for everyone at some point. So that's where the inspiration came from, to be honest. it was um, It was about trying to enjoy yourself and, and and do do things that yeah leave your comfort zone yeah and I'm I'm a bit addicted to that now. Someone the other day was talking to me about people who have a fear of it. There's an, there's a fear of uncertainty, but there's also a fetish for uncertainty. Yeah, and I think that I've got that. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. I think I've got like I've got I've become addicted to the unknown, so I'm starting to find myself just doing random stuff, uh, just because I love the, the going into something and not knowing what it's going to be like. Yeah. So next week, um, going to pole dancing lesson. Okay, and it's just purely. It's not yeah. because I want to be a pole dancer. Yeah, yeah. It's just because it. because of the experience. Because mm-hmm. it, I know it'd be a rush, like, of going to do something that yeah. I've got no, no like. A, well, I don't know. Maybe it will be an amazing pole dancer, but I doubt it. Yeah. But it's just that experience, and I just get I just get really hooked on that. Yeah. On the, the the feeling of doing something for the first time. Well, is there any other random um, experiences that you find yourself in because of that? You know, adrenaline rush. Uh, ooh, yeah, I mean probably not um, suitable to talk about on a podcast <laughs> okay we'll leave that one for everyone's <laughs> imagination um okay all right so let's go back to the canvas because I, I i was reading the story and i think um anyone who's listening would quite enjoy hearing it as well because you know you put this canvas up, yeah, yeah yeah it was for sale yeah yeah someone well i'm guessing a few people bid on it someone won it what yep. happened from there so uh the it was it was on it was online uh, on eBay and there was there's bids coming in from all over the place, and then the final winner was a lady called Laurel from Las Vegas and she messaged me, and she she, um, she told me that she had breast cancer herself. Mm. Uh, I don't think she told me it was terminal at the time, but all the signs were that it was. Yeah. And uh, she told me that she loved the idea because she's she's going through something she she could relate to that feeling of trying to just live life as to the full uh, when you can uh, so then I had to figure out a way to get from London to Vegas and stay for a week and I was doing everything I could I, I was messaging like Virgin mm. talking to British Airways I even went to British Airways and tried to blag my way in to get into a meeting with them because they weren't answering my calls yeah. say look I'm doing this thing you can PR it you, you just give me a flight to Vegas and back and they weren't interested I mean, in the end, one of her friends from Facebook just said, uh, sent her a message saying, "What's happening with that that eBay thing?" Because we 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 shouted about it on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. And um, she explained that I was trying my best. And he's like, "Well, I've got air miles, so I'll give I'll give him um, donate my air miles, oh, so wow. we'll make it affordable for yeah. him." So I went to Vegas and back for about hundred quid. Um, and then she arranged for me she arranged for me to live in the building. Uh, where she was living for the week, which was involved with the Lama cult, um, <laughs> and, so, and all I had to do was attend their meetings, yeah. uh, a bit like a timeshare. It, yeah. it was weird. Um, and then yeah, we just we went over and had had an incredible week, getting to know each other, hanging out uh, with her dog, <laughs> and 
originally it was going to be a portrait of her, but I said to her I was really nervous about doing it in case I got it wrong. Mm. I got it really badly wrong. Yeah. She's like, well, you don't have to. You can paint whatever you want. And she showed me a picture she had of her dog mm. where she'd built a saddle for it. And she had a parrot as well. And the parrot was riding the dog oh, wow. on the saddle. So that's what I painted in the end. And then at the end of the week, uh, the guy who donated the air miles, he lived in San Francisco. He came over to Vegas and we had like an amazing sort of dinner and got to know each other. And uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a roller coaster. And then we stayed, f- I kept in touch with Laura for for the next eight months or so until she died. Um, oh, wow. It was, it was really, it's, uh, notes is, notes is incredible, but I think that one's still my favorite mm. just because it was so personal to me. So like, it was uh, my tribute to my mom. And then I made this incredible new friend and then ultimately lost, uh, lost someone yeah. as well. But um, yeah, an absolute roller coaster. But I think that it's just when it's 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 how I deal with it's how I deal with things. So if something really bad's happening to me, um, I try and take something from it and put it into something positive. Yeah, and it seems like you've gone through quite a lot of highs and then extreme lows as well in your life. But what would be your biggest fear right now? My biggest fear. Oof. I mean, what professionally? I mean, obviously, biggest fear is you know, anyone I know getting sick, like mm. or something awful happening to someone I know. Professionally, um, it all it all going wrong and me having to go back to advertising. <laughs> is that what keeps you up at night? Yeah, in a cold sweat. Fair enough. And then, who's been the biggest influence in your life, or what? Who's been the biggest influence? I think that's a really, it's it's a really difficult question to try and narrow down to one thing. Um, I'll go I'll go for an interesting answer rather than like just like a list of gazillion. Yeah. Uh, huge influence to me is Conor McGregor. Okay. Yeah, because my friend, uh, my friend Dave, was a fighter. Um, I was I was mates with him at uni, and I saw his journey from knowing nothing all the way to being a British champion and then fighting Conor McGregor. So I, I watched my friend Dave's journey in the MMA world, and then he fought Conor McGregor before he was even anyone knew yeah, like the rock star is. And now. then I watched his, I watched him go from where he was oh, to, wow. to where he is now. Yeah. And um, what I like about the way that he's done things uh, is that he didn't play, didn't play the the game. He didn't play the normal rules, mm. and he went from nobody to the biggest name in one of the biggest names in sports within mm. three years, four or five years, something like that. And that's, that's my, I'm trying to emulate that plan in terms of the art world. So I'm, I'm not getting involved to be, to take part in competitions and to, to work my way up slowly. I'm trying to leapfrog everybody, yeah. uh, leapfrog everything and get to the point where you change the game because he's changed, he's changed the fight yeah. game. Um, I mean, he's not—he's no angel, and there's lots of things I don't like about him. But yeah. the um, in terms the, of his journey, the journey, and the the—he's uh, uh, good with words. Like he's way better than words of, uh, than I am. Mm. And I guess there's a similarity there. Like he—he he got where he was through talking and through statements, and I'm doing something similar. Yeah, you could pitch yourself as the uh, Conor McGregor of the art. I'd love that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, the dream is the bio. dream is one day to meet him. Um, yeah, because I—I I think that, I think that people think of mixed martial artists they don't think of the artist part mm. and I'd say mixed martial artists are completely artists yeah and yeah he's an artist yeah well that's what I think where he's achieved so much is that he's taken the artist part of mixed martial artists and really like expanded on it, it in yeah. terms of the performance not just inside mm-hmm. the the ring but outside the ring and on social media and the way he trash talks the way he dresses you know he's really taken on that extravagant almost like professional wrestler kind of like over the top nature and you know he's turned it into a different sport a different art and it's it's oh, it's changed it all it's now not the UFC it's the Conor McGregor show yeah, yeah. isn't it I mean it's, it'll all come crashing down as it does for every fighter at some point but what well, I mean I think he's our generation's Muhammad Ali mm. um, in the terms in terms of the way that he speaks and the way that uh, He's calling the rounds and all that sort of yeah, stuff, yeah. just incredible. And and to to have that connection so close to him, as in my one of my best mates, yeah, shared the room with him and got beat. Um, it really showed me, it, like, I think it's. I've, I I was watching it a lot, a lot closer and a lot earlier than everyone else, 
so I've seen seen how it's mm. gone, and yeah, I I keep saying to my brother because my brother's a MMA fan. Uh, that that's my plan. It's Conor McGregor, the art world. <laughs> right, we're gonna hold but, you to that. But but I'm not nowhere near as uh, <laughs> I don't want to fight anybody. <laughs> there was such trash talking everyone. Yeah. <laughs> trash talking Damien Hurst. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, cool. So to start wrapping up, um, got a couple more questions. So if you could wind back time and speak to a younger version of yourself what three bits of advice would you give yourself to start doing with immediate effect? Um, I would say the, the first, well, how young? How young are we talking? You choose. Okay. It could be coming out of uni, it could be starting right, coming advertising. Out of uni, starting advertising, um, I would say your instincts, I'm gonna, I would just reassure the instincts that I had back then because I really felt at the time that they were wrong. Your instincts to avoid fitting in uh, if you don't agree with what is involved in that are right. Mm-hmm. So I always I always say that one of the biggest moments in my in my life and career is saying no to cocaine. Mm-hmm. So the advertising industry is just it it runs on cocaine. It's like it's the networking tool. It's 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 like it's everywhere within it. And I was always on the outside of that, and I, it made me feel like an outcast. And there was times when it was really difficult, but I would tell myself, stay the course, because yeah. uh, that's going to be huge, because it means that the path that I've t- taken here, it's meant it's possible, mm. because I don't have that habit, and I don't have that money going out of my account every month yeah. to, to, to take care of that. And yeah. knowing my uh, my personality of how how, uh, how obsessive I get, it's, it's uh, yeah, that's what I would say. To the first thing and then yeah. what's it? well actually just to stop you there I actually experienced the exact same feelings over it because um, a lot of people that I was working with when you go out and you have drinks it's just like everywhere and I'm just like I don't even want to touch this stuff and you kind of start to feel like you're not 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 being involved in conversations but you kind of do it's become like the, a bit it's like the being outside. the kid that's at uni who didn't drink yeah that's what it's like yeah. and I think it's not just advertising anymore it's everywhere yeah um, but I've, there's another artist that I um uh, I take influence from called Mr. Bingo. Yeah. And he tweeted the other day that um, he's lived in London for 17 years and never tried cocaine. Mm. I was like, that's probably the main reason why he's a success. Yeah. Because you don't have this, you don't have this money, uh, this, uh, not only the money that, that it costs, but also the, the time and the energy that it takes to get over it. And you just get caught on this loop and you can just see people get caught on it and they get obsessed with the lifestyle that it brings. Mm. And, uh, I mean, I gave a talk at a school the other day, and I talked about cocaine really, really like honestly with them, just because someone someone said it to me when I was um, just starting out in advertising. It was a guy who was in a position of uh, sort of influence over me, and he just said to me, "It's rubbish." He said, "It's absolutely mm. rubbish. Don't touch it." Yeah. And I think that that there's been a, there's been a, what three or four, pretty more than that, five or six moments where people that I've been with and I've wanted to fit in with, I might have been like chat to a girl and we might be like mm. things might might have gone differently if I'd have if I'd have got involved yeah but I stuck with it and I stuck with that like belief that it wasn't it didn't yeah. feel it was a gut feeling that that would destroy me and yeah. I think a lot of people it would do um so I'd, I'd say stay the course on not f- not not doing something to fit in if you don't agree with it yeah um what was it? The question. Two uh, more. So two more. So two, uh, more. two things you would tell yourself to start doing younger. Oh, to start doing. Um, yeah. Start doing. Um, it's really difficult. Uh, Well, I mean, it's. I'm. I'm thinking about it myself now, as to um, to start getting therapy. Yeah. I've really. I'm really. I've been thinking about it for a while, and I've been really scared about it because art, art's been going well, and this whole thing about my brain being weird is what's powering yeah. my success at the moment. So I'm really like cautious about messing with that. Um, so maybe that maybe get some therapy mm. but that's maybe to myself right now yeah. anyway and one more thing one more thing um, oh god if I could go back to school <sighs> yeah I'd go back to school and um, and have a really like I'd have a really 
frank discussion with myself about fear of rejection and fear of what people think of me. Because yeah. those two things. So fear of what people thought of me when I was at school um, held me back so much in so many ways. And fear of like rejection, which was kind of tied in with the thing, the same thing, uh, prevented me from like having so much, such a much, much more interesting experience of, of, of school and especially of women especially yeah. at school when you're just terrified about gossip and you're terrified about um you're terrified what people think and that's the like antithesis of what's needed to to to, to, to live a more fulfilling life yeah. and all my mates all my schoolmates are like we will we'll talk about it go oh god if, if you could go back to school and say say to yourself like don't care just don't care about yeah. it like don't don't be so um don't be so like thinking about it all the time because it was the lads that um that didn't care that, that, that had them more fun I think yeah I think that school I was I was way way too timid way way worried about what people thought mm. and it's and it's when you stop it's when you stop caring about what people think is when it starts to get more interesting that's when it starts to get really fun is when you just stop giving a shit about um, if someone thinks you're weird or if someone thinks you're you're gay or if someone thinks that you're uh, you're a loser or if someone knows that you um you're into something that isn't cool. Mm. Like that's a slight of bullshit. And I wish mm. I'd known that earlier. Yeah. I think that if I'd have known that earlier, oh, you can't change it though, can you? <laughs> and it might not have put you in the position. Exactly. Now, that's so. what I mean. So you can't really change it. You kind of, yeah. maybe you, you just learn as you go along, don't yeah. you? But um, yeah, just if, if I, if I could, could have told myself to not give a shit about really unimportant stuff. Yeah. Cool. And then to, to wrap up, um, what would you say is your ultimate um, dream goal? Dream goal. I mean, I'm living it a bit at the moment. When I first started being an artist, I said to myself, it would be incredible to just make art and that be my income. And that is that's kind of happening at the moment um, or it has done for a, for a while. And it is amazing. It's just it blows my mind every time someone buys a piece of work from me, honestly. It just, I can't believe um, how privileged it is mm. to, to, to be able to make art and people pay hard-earned money for it um, and to, for them to be so happy about it as well because they, they're really happy to be investing in my work and they're really happy to own a piece of it. It's just, it's just mad. It's incredible. Um, but apart from that, I mean, the, you, you've got this, you, you call this thing the dreamer's disease and as we were on the lift on the way up, I was thinking... What is the dreamer's disease? <laughs> I think the dreamer's disease is that you always layer on a new dream. So when you get that, when you get to the point where you've accomplished something, you just, because you, what it takes to get to that point, you're always going to have a new one. Um, and I'd say my, my new one after being a self-sufficient artist is to change the art world for the better. Yeah, I think that the art world at the moment is really stuffy, really elitist. Um, it's all about, uh, it's all about sort of, who you know and white wall galleries with really sort of bizarre um with really sort of work that gets meaning layered onto it that the artist probably never even um believed themselves and i just think that art's got all this has got this incredible power to make a difference in the world and i don't think that it's being it's being utilized at the moment yeah. i think that the art world at the moment is just self-obsessed and um really needs a shake-up and needs to be changed and I'd like to be the person yeah. that does that. How how would would you do that then? What would you like to see? What changes and would you like to see? Well, I think, it's, I think it's inaccessible at the moment. I think that um, well, my, my line my line is um, I think that it, it seems like becoming an artist is this impossible thing and there's this belief out there that if you become an artist are you going to be starving? And that's not true anymore. It's mm. like it's completely changed. And I think that my 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 killer line that I try and say as many times as I can because this whole like manifestation thing of if you say yeah. something enough and you believe it, yeah. and it might come true, is that at the moment in schools kids want to be a Kardashian. Yeah, I want to change it so they want to be an artist. Yeah, that's it. I like um, that. Because I just think that there's there's so much more to it than than is is being shown at the moment, and. I'm not talking about the uh, the intellectual elite. I'm not talking about the the art world. I'm talking about real people, normal people on the street. Who you talk to about artists, and they they'll know a few names, and they'll know 
little bit about it, but they wouldn't ever see it as something that's adding value to society. I yeah. think. I think they know that art's important in some way, but I, I think that art can add value in a really, really um, uh, easy to get way. Mm. And notes is kind of all about that. Notes is all about trying to trying to give ideas and thoughts, yeah. and, um, positivity to to normal normal everyday people. Yeah. Um, so I guess I guess it's kind of like pop. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I, I, I really, I really like pop music. I, I, I'm not snobby about it at all. I like all kinds of music, but I like pop music as well, and I like the reach it's got and the influence. Um, so I guess I take inspiration from that as well. And yeah. Try and make art that's going to be um, easily understood and useful. And uh, like if I if I go to a gallery and I see a piece of work that I connect with, it lasts with me. For, it can last a lifetime. Mm. That power. I don't think there's anything else quite like it. I mean, music and films and uh, books, they all got the same sort of power, but not in the same way as art because art's got so fewer rules. Yeah, yeah. And so much more freedom to, to to do what you want. Yeah. That's wicked, man. Like, I think, you know, the whole positivity thing, obviously that's what I'm trying to do as well with, with this and Dreams Disease as a brand and it's good to sort of connect with someone else who's on that kind of wavelength and trying to infiltrate the minds of younger people to kind of understand you don't have to always feel like you have to fit in you can go and explore your creativity and do the things that you want to do because so I, I think it's super important for anyone who's growing up and developing to try these things rather than always have that question of what if in the back of their brain um, and you know to have you doing it from a kind of art perspective and becoming a Conor McGregor of the art world <laughs> um, you know I'm going to enjoy watching watching you develop over the next few years and you know, I'm sure you're going to go on to do huge things. Like, oh, thanks very much. I can um, al- already see it in my head. Well, so. you've, got to, you've got to, I think that if you don't approach it with a view of, I'm going to do this, mm. then you don't stand a chance. Yeah. Like, if you, unless, you, unless you really believe and you, you approach it thinking, right, this is going to happen, it's going to be real, and uh, I'm taking it extremely seriously. Like, like I said, when you were setting all this up, like, you're not messing around yeah like you are taking this really seriously and that in itself is is a good sign yeah and, and you have to you have to give it you have to give it you have to go completely all in and you have to completely believe that you can do it because otherwise you won't yeah exactly Just you can't like doubt yourself in the beginning can you because then you're really lost is what they say <sighs> yeah I mean it's self-doubt it's inevitable but um, I think that at the core I think you've got to be you've got to you've got to be almost a little bit insane I think you got to be. There's got to be something a little bit sort of mad about you to believe that you can do it. Because without that, you won't be able to do it anyway. Yeah. If you're completely logical and you you, you run the odds, it doesn't make sense. But if someone else has done it, then why can't you? Yeah. Someone else has made a difference. Then there's no. Everyone's 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 got like a certain amount of tools. Everyone's got a certain amount of intellect and hours in a day and energy and all that stuff. Why can't why can't you or why can't anyone? Yeah. It's true. It's, true. it's, it's, it's that um, I've seen that quote floating about quite often. Of um, everyone's got the same twenty-four hours in the day as Beyonce. So, what are you doing with that time, kind of thing, isn't it? Um, yeah, I mean, Beyonce is not a huge influence to me. But, <laughs> I mean, she's she's wicked. Uh, I like Lemonade. Yeah. Lemonade was good. See, that's that's taking a um, that's taking a massive traumatic experience and making it something mm. positive, isn't it? Yeah. Like. Putting their putting their relationship on display like that, that takes courage. It's like hugely, hugely vulnerable, and it was huge. It was massive. The whole world was talking about mm. it. It's like taking something really negative and just flipping it to positive. Yeah. So yeah, you can find it. Well, maybe I did find inspiration yeah. from Beyonce. There we go. See, everyone does, I guess. Yeah. Um, cool, man. Well, look, I really appreciate the time. Um, no worries. Before we Thanks sign out. Me. Can you just let the listeners know where they can find you online, where they can find your work, where they can go and buy some of your work if they're interested? Yeah, I mean, just all notes to strangers. Put that in Instagram. Yeah. That's that's the... Everything goes from there. Nice. Cool. Well, like I said, man, appreciate it. And, no worries. You know, wish you all the best. very much. Cheers. Thank you. So there we have it, guys. That was Andy's story. And, you know, he's, he's a really interesting guy. Really interesting. I really enjoyed the conversation because he's quite humble with what he does. And, you know, sometimes he's really, like, obvious about what he wants to do and where he wants to go. But, you know, what he's doing essentially is just putting a smile on people's faces and letting people discover those moments for themselves when they find his posters. And, 
I just think it's a really cool thing to do for, for the sake of, you know, someone who wanted to do it for himself to start with and just spread a little bit of joy to where it's got to now and where it's potentially going to get to in the future. It's, it's incredible to see. And as I said at the beginning, I hope you enjoyed the story about the llamas and eBay and, and the dog and the painting and all of that. You know, it's an incredible story and journey uh, for him to have taken upon. And, you know, it, it turned out to be something really positive and, and nice and everyone, you know, benefited from it, which was amazing. So as ever, if you want to hit me up or you want to get in touch, you can find me at I am Alex Manzi on Instagram and Twitter. And you can also find the underscore dreamers disease on Instagram and yeah get in contact let me know what you think if there's any questions you have then feel free to shout me but now it's time for you guys to go out there and chase your dreams this podcast is produced by unedited